the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Thursday, April the 29th, 2021, in the year of our Lord. Today in 1429, Joan of Arc led the French forces to victory over the English at Orleans. Today in 1813, rubber was patented. Today in 1861, the Maryland House of Delegates voted against seceding from the Union. Today in 1916, Irish nationalists surrendered to the British in Dublin. Today in 1927, construction of the Spirit of St. Louis was completed. I think that airplane, the Wright Brothers airplane, that it, I think I read somewhere that it carried about 400 gallons of gasoline and it cost like $10,500 to build, which was a lot, it's a lot of money today. It was a lot then, of course. But anyway, the plane was completed today and ready to go. And um, it was a big day for the Wright brothers and really for mankind. Uh, We would learn to fly. Today, in 1945, the Nazi concentration camp at at Dachau, it was liberated by the Allied troops. Today, in 1945, the German army in Italy surrendered unconditionally to the Allies. Today, in 1946, former Japanese leaders were indicted in Tokyo as war criminals. And today, in 1975, the U.S. Embassy in Vietnam was evacuated North Vietnamese forces were fighting their way into Saigon. I was there during those years, not in the military, but in Christian missionary work. I was in and out of the country. That probably was not the wisest thing for me to be doing, but I felt like the Lord had just kind of put us there, and and not kind of, but actually put us there. And we did what we did, and we, um, (laughs) we lived to tell about it. But boy, the guns were roaring, I can tell you. And uh, in fact, a plane that I that I flew into from Saigon into a was a small village. I think it was Phan Rong, somewhere down on the what they call the the flat out there toward toward the ocean. But um, we flew in there, and I got off the plane. It was just a, a strip. Got off the plane. It was a like a C three or something like that, an old Boeing plane. And um, there were four or five of us on there. I got off, and on the airstrip, there was just a little shack out there and called the airport at the time. Got off there. The plane, you know, just took off. I was the only guy that got off, took off, lifted up, was flying out over the hills, and it blew up. <laughs> and I'm standing there, and oh, my, the experiences we had. But God knows, and the whole world is in God's hands. I've always believed that. As a kid growing up, I was taught that. As a man, I have practiced that. God has got things in control. I've been reading lately about the high numbers of people 
that are discouraged, despondent. Some people are wondering, you know, why all this is happening. Psalm 43, I read this the other day, but let me read it again. Psalm 43, 5. Why art thou cast down, O my soul, and why art thou disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance and my God. Moses said in Deuteronomy, Be strong and of good courage, fear not, nor be afraid of them, for the Lord thy God, he it is that doth go with thee. He will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Isaiah spoke to the uncertainty of his time. He said in chapter 55, verses 8 and 9, you know this verse. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Our world is really messed up right now from any aspect you look at it, including right here in the United States of America. God is in control. We've got to keep that in the forefront of our mind and our heart, or there are lots of reasons to be stressed out right now in our culture, for sure. I knew this was going to happen. I knew it was coming. This morning I learned, as others did, that this week police in London has, they've arrested a Christian preacher, pastor, for allegedly causing alarm and distress to pedestrians for citing allegedly homophobic verses from the book of Genesis. On Friday, this past Friday, John Sherwood, he was preaching alongside alongside Pastor Peter Simpson. These are two very distinguished gentlemen. They are pastors with the Free Methodist Church in London. They were outside one of the underground stations there in London. They were preaching on the street. They were not offensive. They're not some of these people that I've seen that, I mean, I don't question, I mean, if they're preaching the gospel, then God bless them. But some of these people I've wondered about when I've seen them. And, you know, I just thought, man, is are they reaching people? I don't know. But these guys are, are pastors. And they're, they're learned people. And they're well-spoken. I saw a little video. And they were just preaching the gospel. On Tuesday, Pastor Simpson told the conservative woman, that's a, a, a article, a, it's like a publication, but I think they're online as well, And he said that Pastor Sherwood was preaching on the final verses of Genesis, chapter 1. And he was saying, quote, God's design in creating mankind was to set human beings into families, headed by a father and a mother, not by two fathers or two mothers. The distinction with mankind of just two genders, male and female, made in the image of God, constitutes the essence of God's created order. Those were his words. That's on video. Simpson said the police informed them that they had gotten three uh, complaints. And they were responding to those three complaints. He said that a police officer warned that he and Sherwood should avoid making any homophobic statements and that there is no freedom. This is England, now London. 
not America, but there is no freedom to make statements which offend other people. Think about that. You have no liberty in England to say anything that might offend other people. The police ultimately dragged Sherwood off his, he had a little step stool that he'd stepped up on so he could, you know, be heard and seen. They dragged him off that step stool. They forcibly knocked him down, handcuffed him. He's in his 70s. Very distinguished man. He had on a, uh, looked like a suit, a tie, a sport coat or something. I mean, I knew this was going to happen. I just didn't know when. And now it has. Yeah, it's in England, in London. But it won't be long. So we'll be reading stories like this here, I fear. This dignified man of God who is in his early 70s, the conservative woman publication says, was marched off to a nearby police car as one of the helpers from my church cried out, What has happened to us as a nation that a man can no longer preach from the Bible? Pastor Simpson echoed those words. Video of the incident was published on social media on Tuesday by these uh, this charity, the Christian Concern and Concerned Women. Officers spoke with the 71-year-old man. He was subsequently arrested on suspicion of an offense under Section 5 Public Order Act. Simpson said the Sherwood, uh, that Sherwood spent the night in the lockup in the jail in a detention center near Heathrow Airport, was not released until noon the following day. Sherwood reported re, reportedly remains under police investigation. Now, a week later, he relayed that uh, during the, his detention that Sherwood was questioned by police officers about what they asked him, what would you do if you had a homosexual child? He said it's surely the task of the police to ask questions about the specific alleged offense, not more general questions about why someone holds a personal view on an aspect of biblical morality. As I said, we've set ourselves up for this. I know that's in London, but we've set ourselves up for this by being silent and trying to pacify from the pulpits. And now it's coming around and it will bite us, as they say. So we're going to have to make a decision, particularly those of us who are ministers, clergy, we're going to have to make some decisions. Are we going to continue to preach the truth of God's word? Not in an adversarial way, not trying to, you know, make people angry. And I know there are people that do that. I understand. I've been around a while. I'm over 40 now, actually. And uh, I've seen a few things. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about sharing God's word in a redemptive way, but sharing God's word, God's whole word. I pretty much dedicated my life to doing that as the best I could to the best of my ability with God's help. God has used us, and I'm grateful and humbled for that. And I think each person in the ministry, if they see they're having a positive effect for the kingdom of God would feel the same. But I think a lot of ministers are going to be asking themselves quietly, do I really want to preach the whole gospel of Jesus Christ in this kind of an environment? Well, just for the record, I have already thought that through. I know what I'm going to do. 
I'm going to be faithful to what God's called me to do. And I think a lot of others will as well. Some will not. Some will grow silent. They won't want to make waves, and they certainly won't want to get roughed up by some cop somewhere, someday, when they're saying the wrong thing. Or as in the case in London this past week, something that offends someone. That's where we are in our culture today. Sad, sad but true. I don't know if you read the article that we put out every morning. We publish it every weekday morning. It goes out to thousands of people, and it's read really across the country, and, and not just here, but in other countries. I don't know, 30, 40 countries every week when I look at the reports or check it out or whatever. I, I see people reading it in other countries. I assume they're Americans that are in those countries, but anyway, there's it, it has quite a, a fairly broad uh, reach. If you have not read that today, and I know many of you who listen to this program do, and if, but if you have not read that today, but you normally do, would you plug your ears for a moment? I don't want you to hear what I'm about to say. I'm kidding. I really messed up this morning, and I just want to mention it to you. I know if you didn't know about it, I shouldn't be telling you, but we're pretty transparent here, as you've probably figured out if you've listened to this program. We publish about 20 to 25,000 words per week. That's about about a book a month, honestly. Uh, got some wonderful people that help me. I mean, it, 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 we're very, very modest in our staff, believe me, very modest. But today, I, I don't know what I was thinking this morning. I hit the button, or actually late last night, I hit the button, and I put in a paragraph that said today, like as in today, Thursday, is National Day of Prayer. No, it isn't. I wrote the paragraph. I've been promoting the Day of Prayer on ACN stations. If you listen to the ACN stations, you've probably heard me there. I've been doing it in other places as well. People have asked, and we're just promoting the National Day of Prayer because it's very important, and it's next Thursday. I know that because I've been talking about it for a week and a half. So I had had this paragraph that I was going to put in on Thursday, May 6th. And I plugged it in <laughs> late last night. So, oh, forgive me. See, full disclosure. Man, we don't, we don't try to hide anything here. It's just all out there. But it's been taken out. So if you haven't read it, forget everything I've just said. It didn't happen. What I was actually trying to do was to trick you into praying twice for America today and next Thursday as well. No. Anyway, slip of the of the clicking finger on my computer. And the people in my office who are highly talented missed it as well. So apologize for that. If you, if it gave you anxiety that because you were thinking it was next week, you're right. It was. I'm wrong. I messed up. Last week, the Biden administration ordered the U.S. immigration agencies to change how they talk about immigrants. The terms illegal alien and assimilation are out. They can't use it anymore. Our government employees. It's been replaced by undocumented non-citizen, that term, and integration. So now, no longer we don't have illegal aliens in America and we don't talk about assimilation. 
We talk about integration. There's a lot of difference in those two words. Words matter. Words shape the way people believe and the, their thoughts. Last night, President Biden found new ways to tell the nation that he is in the process of spending an additional $1.8 trillion of taxpayer money to remake America with his American Families Plan. While using new words to, in the words of George Orwell, defend the indefensible. Last week, President Biden and his administration ordered U.S. immigration to change how they talk about immigrants. They know that undocumented non-citizen means something very different than illegal alien. It means something different to use the word integrate than to use the word assimilate. Assimilate means you want to become an American. Whatever your descent is, whether you're black or brown or yellow, white, whatever. You want to become, you want to assimilate, you're going to be an American. That was kind of the idea when America started. And people would come here and from all over the world and make a life for themselves. I mean, there's, a, there's millions of stories. Many of us have those kinds of stories in our family. We know that at some point, somebody, old great-great-uncle Ralph came over here from wherever. That's the story of America. But no, no, they don't want that story. They don't care if they assimilate. They just want them to integrate. And that means they can come here and not become an American, but get re reap the benefits of being in America and being here illegally. But they're not illegal. They're simply undocumented. I don't know why these people are so intent on dismantling America, but they are. Barack Obama introduced us to the whole idea. He said it a thousand times if he said it once remaking America. The progressives really don't care, in my view, what the tens of thousands of illegal aliens crossing our open borders every week or two now, what they're called. They don't really care if they assimilate or they don't assimilate in the American culture. What they do care about is getting conservatives off their backs so they can fundamentally remake America. That is the goal, because they hate America. They do. I mean, they say so. It isn't a great amount of discernment on my part to come to that conclusion. Remaking this great country was a mantra of Obama. It's become the guiding light for good old Joe Biden and those giving him direction, more importantly. It's been said that he who defines the terms wins the argument. Think about all the words that have been redefined over the last couple of decades, even in the last few years, to win the argument. They used to call them rifles. Now, if they don't like that rifle, it's an assault rifle. Undocu undocumented migrant instead of illegal alien. Common sense gun safety measures. How many times have you heard that? We've got to get common sense gun safety measures. What they really mean is gun control or confiscation. They use the word investment all the time rather than government spending. They're investing. They're not investing, they're spending. They're building a power base. Women's health care. How many times have you heard the word women's health care in the last 10 years? Millions, maybe billions of times. They use it all the time. What it means when it's spoken in the left and when you hear it from the left 
What it means is abortion, not women's health care. And not just several years ago, they began to use, and Obama did this, Hillary Clinton was a big advocate of this as well. They begin to use the word freedom of worship rather than freedom of religion, and that makes a lot of difference in our culture. Freedom of worship means you go get in your building that you call a church, and you shut the door, and we don't really care at this point what you do in there. But when you come out, oh no, don't go out and try to proselytize the culture with your religion. You don't have freedom of religion, you have freedom of of worship. And that was a conscious decision. Maybe people that aren't thinking about such things didn't notice it, but I did, and you did, and now we both know That's why they changed that, just a slight change, but they repeat it again and again and again. The Constitution is not about freedom of worship. It's about freedom of religion, and that's a lot different. Freedom of religion gives you the not only the freedom to go to church on Sunday or whenever, whatever day, it doesn't matter any day of the week, go there and worship and sing songs and teach the Bible and do what you do in church and pray and see one another and and hug one another or whatever, I mean... You can even maybe used to be able to go without your mask. I mean, but freedom of worship confines all that to the building. But freedom of religion allows you to meet and have church, as we call it, but to go out into the public and preach the gospel, as these free Methodist ministers were doing in London, or and to share Christ with people which is exactly what Jesus told us to do. But, oh no, you aren't supposed to do that now. You can have freedom of worship, but we're not going to give you freedom of religion because you might offend someone. The word equity has now replaced equality. I heard equality so many times over the last few years, especially the last eight or so years I've been doing this radio program. I heard it so many times. I, I mean, I got tired of hearing equality. Now you don't hear it so much. It's equity. Equality equality has to do with equal opportunity. Equity has to do with equal outcome. And there's a lot of difference with that. I don't have to explain that one to you. So last night we heard infrastructure instead of socialism. Infrastructure used to mean roads and bridges and power grids and water supplies. Not anymore. We ordinary Americans us little people out here. We believe that our government has some responsibility for roads and bridges and power grids and water supplies and to keep our military strong. That's pretty much what they should be doing and not a whole lot more, actually. So, of course, we support upgrading our infrastructure. How many times do you have to hit those potholes near your house on I-whatever freeway how many times do you have to run into that before you go, yeah, you know, I, I think we should spend some money on our infrastructure? Or they keep telling us all of our bridges are going to fall down if, you know, if we have an earthquake or whatever. So we begin to say, yeah, we I'm for infrastructure. Yeah, I think we should upgrade our infrastructure in America. Well, that's the gotcha moment. Infrastructure now means human infrastructure. And President Biden laid that out last night. That wraps all of the socialist ideas from Karl Marx to LBJ to Obama-Biden under the broad multi-trillion dollar plan 
that we thought would fix our broken bridges. It's not going to happen any more than the coronavirus trillions went to the coronavirus issues. NPR was celebrating this deceptive manipulation of the English language just yesterday in an article. They thought it was kind of clever. They didn't come out and say that, but the whole article was slanted to give you that impression. NPR is reporting that under President Trump, ICE ICE spread fear and confusion in the immigrant communities. But the Biden policy of changing the words brings peace and confidence. (laughs) That's your own personal supported public radio. Yeah, they do. I mean, that's an honest statement. They are glad that they're changing the words to fool the people. George Orwell is probably best known for his dystopian classic 1984 and the communism allegory, the animal farm. That's Probably that's why most people know him. But he wrote an essay, an essay that was entitled Politics in the English Language. It was written in 1946. It provided an almost eerie foreshadowing of what's going on in our country today, most visibly in politics. The Daily Caller noted that the words democracy, socialism, freedom, patriotic, realistic, and justice each have several different meanings which cannot be reconciled with one another in one of the articles they wrote just this week. In in his essay, Orwell talks about how writers and politicians rely on vague descriptions and I'm quoting him, cliched idioms to control what the reader or hearer ultimately believes. He says, Orwell said, the politician's words are either stale of imagery or lack precision. (laughs) Exactly. Orwell said, I'm quoting again from his essay, as soon as certain topics are raised, the concrete melts into the abstract and no one seems able to think of terms of speech that are not hackneyed. Prose consists less and less of words chosen for the sake of their meaning and more and more of phrases tacked together like the sections of a prefabricated henhouse to impress or to influence the people. And he notes that politicians fear the political backlash that would result if they used more direct and honest language. So they craft terms and language in defense of the indefensible, and that's exactly where we are today. It's been said that we're not, if it were not for double standards, so-called progressives would have no standards. Orwell said, in a time of deceit, telling the truth is a revolutionary act. I guess that's where we are in our country today. It's, it could get depressing, but I'm not depressed. I believe that God is with us. I believe that we can do all things through Christ. I believe that we are protected in Christ. I believe Proverbs 10.9. It says, He who walks with integrity walks securely, but he who perverts his way will become known. I believe all of this will be sifted out, and I believe that the closer we stand to the truth of God's word, heaven and earth is going to pass away, and a lot of this nonsense that's going on out there is going to pass away. We simply talk about it because we need to be informed. But it's all going to pass away, and God's word is going to stand forever. It will not pass away. I'm going to stay as close to the Bible 
whether or not it offends someone or not. And I would encourage you to do so also, and I think many, many, many of you have. Thanks for being with me today. I'll see you tomorrow.